0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Ask a Jew, where a secular, sinful Israeli speaks to her holy, pious friend. I'm Yael, here with Chayalea, and we have a special guest. Hi, Lav Halkov.
1: Hi. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for having me here.
0: Lav is the diplomatic reporter for the Jerusalem Post, and uh, there's, you know, a thing or two going on in Israel. (laughs) <laughs> so we thought for our audience that doesn't know much about Israeli politics and by audience, I mean, uh, co-hosts <laughs> of this podcast, <laughs> we asked Lav to come on and tell us what the heck is going on over there. That's such an easy question. We'll start with how are you? <laughs>
1: I'm good. I'm actually, we didn't even discuss this before. I'm on maternity leave, actually. What? But yes. yeah. <laughs> um, when you last saw me, I was pretty heavily pregnant. Very pregnant. Um, but yes, so I have a baby now. Yes, um, but yeah, maternity leave in Israel, the government pays you for four months. Wow. And there's no wow. way that I could catch up in four months of news um, all at once so I am following very closely probably too closely for someone who's not supposed to. Be can working. you imagine um, if you
0: took four months if you took four months off your job and just tried to come back like who knows what's <laughs> going to happen in Israeli politics in four months
1: right absolutely like I have to read the news every day right. like if I don't do that like I after a week I it's like too much to catch up on Lahav, are you? Yeah. Is this your
2: first baby, or do you have other kids?
1: No, it's my third.
2: Oh, your third! Wow, uh, good for you! Yeah. Wow, um, and you live in? To- do you live in Jerusalem or around Jerusalem?
0: Or? Uh,
1: no, I live in uh, like a, a medium-sized city I, for Israel. It's medium-sized, uh-huh. in between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Oh,
0: okay, but I you're clearly. Really right did you grow up
2: in the states? Where are you from?
1: Yeah, I grew okay. up in New Jersey. My mom's Israeli and my dad's American. So oh, I grew okay. up speaking Hebrew at home and visiting Israel really often and sort of from a young age wanted to live here. Wow. Well, when I graduated high school, I just came here.
0: Oh, wow. And so I've like
1: you went to school, since. right?
2: So you like went to school in Israel and like university? I went to college in
1: Yeah, Israel, to college.
0: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, is your
1: husband Israeli? No, he's actually South African. Mm. Uh, um, you know, as even though I grew up in a, like a fairly Israeli home, I mostly hang out with English speakers. In the yeah. end, <laughs> you can't escape it. You end up have just uh, being the way you grew up. That's true. Do your
0: kids have South African accents? Because those are the best.
1: No, they have very American accents, but they have like a few things. They say ya, which ya. is really cute.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's so
2: cute. I have a son living in yeah. South Africa right now, actually. Oh and wow. he's uh, yeah, he's in yeshiva there, and it's really it's cute. um I told him he could come it's back, a with nice an accent.
1: Community.
0: yeah, it's very nice. come he's back with a South African wife, no, 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 okay,
2: no, because no. then he might want to live there, and that would be devastating for me, so no mm. no, unless she swears on her, i don't know, like signs a contract that she'll move here.
0: Are you allowed to swear are you, uh, like are, are Hasidic Jews allowed to swear on like a mother's name or something? I mean, we yeah. You
2: can always yeah. say Kulnidre if you go back on it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> find three-way misses, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but like, honestly, I mean, I know it sounds silly, but that's something I think about. I want my kids to live near me. I don't want the marrying girls from far away and then ending up far away.
0: Fair enough. I have my Well, South Africa,
1: as lovely as the community is, I mean, it's, it's better to live in America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a mess there.
2: I have, I have family there. I have a sister-in-law who lives there and she loves it and has a great life and I'm happy for her, but it's just way too far. Like it's, it feels like a different planet almost. Like I can't wrap my head around being that far away. kind of is. Yeah. I know. And also like yeah. I have a brother who lives in Israel, which is also very far from LA, but people are always going to Israel. It's not, it doesn't feel as far Who's like casually by accident ending up in South Africa one day? No yeah. one.
0: it's like the difference between when I lived in New, when I lived in Boston and now I live in New York. Right. Like nobody stops by Boston. Right. right. In New York every other weekend. There's some Israeli here, like in right. town for like an Adele concert or something. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Israelis love Adele.
2: That's so funny. Okay, um,
1: so it was the most po- a few years ago. It became the most popular name, like for baby girls in Israel. Really? Hilarious yeah yeah oh i don't think gosh. it is anymore there was just some year when i guess her last album or something i don't know do People we like know. skinny
2: adele are we like into the skinny adele you know she looks like a totally different person
0: now yeah she
1: sings the same it doesn't make a difference i to hope me. she
0: does i don't know it's interesting but, she, but she's not sad anymore she's happy now so how is That's she gonna true. make great music she's married. Really. She's that, that that guy yeah well you think because she's skinny she's happy now I don't think no, that's how I think it works. I was gonna say actually because <laughs> she's like married to that guy, I forgot his name. Um, I think um, that she
1: became happy and then she got skinny
0: that's, yeah. a like that's, that's a good way that's a good way to do it. Be, right. That's that's our medical advice here. If you want to lose weight, she also, first. I read
1: something or I heard an interview. I don't remember what it was where she was like, people were like, oh, you're anorexic, you're this. And she was like, no, there was a pandemic. You just didn't see me for more than a year. Like I, it took me a really long time to lose all this weight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my
2: God. It's my <laughs> biggest regret that like I can't I mean, I have so many regrets. But the fact is that I was home for like a year and a half and didn't lose any weight. It just kills me. In fact, I gained I could have been doing so much. I can't. I I think the
0: fact that we anybody who didn't gain a hundred pounds during the pandemic should consider themselves (laughs) successful. I mean, that was my biggest fear during the pandemic. I know that sounds insensitive.
2: No, like my biggest
0: fear, as people were dropping, was like, oh no, I hope I don't get too much takeout food. I wanted to be change my whole personality during the pandemic.
2: (laughs) Like, (laughs) well, three weeks in, three weeks in, I ordered on my my husband. I. I'll, I'll never forget his face. I ordered a package from Amazon and it came with like five huge canvases and like, like a hundred dollars worth of paint, another hundred (laughs) dollars worth of like brushes. It arrives at her door and I'm like, look, I've always wanted to be an artist and now I have time. And he's like, that's just not how it works. (laughs) I couldn't I mean you should see what I painted it was embarrassing I mean we laugh about it till today it's sitting in our well, garage you should
0: send you should you have to send it to us to put it on our sub stack <laughs> no. maybe that's how we can get people to pay for our sub stack we'll say if, if you pay the, the paywall uh, behind behind the paywall is Halea's art oh my God. I'll send you a picture it's <laughs> hilarious <laughs> I
1: tell you uh, I started a sub stack to write things on maternity leave um, mm-hmm. because again, because I'm crazy, I'm not just reading the news. I'm like, oh, I'll I'll write about it. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I just do it when I feel like it, though. But then people um, pledged money. Yeah like yeah. I didn't even have paid and they pledged me money and I was like, "Oh, I guess people should pay me." And now I feel obligated because <laughs> now know. that people want to pay me, I'm like, "Oh shit, I guess I should write something." You have to produce,
2: week. I know. So right. we've
0: been very clear with our listeners. Um by the way, our Substack is com. We've been very clear that um if they want to pay money, they will receive nothing in return. <laughs> Uh, all they will be doing is supporting Kylie as like 15 children and my, you know, online yeah, right. shopping habit. Yeah. But right. I, I don't know. I think it's a mitzvah. Yeah. To support it's a, um, a hardworking of course, uh, of course. journalists like ourselves. It's funny, Love, because yeah, I
1: decide. Oh,
0: no, go, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I decide I'm going to do like an ask me anything. Like people who no, pay can funny. then just ask me the questions they want to ask and I'll answer them.
2: That's a good idea.
1: That's cute. As long as it's nothing rude. I tell them nothing rude. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Other than that. Well, they have yeah. to pay
0: more if they want to ask rude. No. I, I, was I was gonna there. ask you before we get <laughs> I'm into
1: OnlyFans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Before we get
2: into politics, I wanted to ask you something about maternity leave because I've been having this conversation with my friends lately, um, and there are, you know, there's a lot of Hasidic uh, women influencers on Instagram, and I don't know if you follow any of that stuff that goes on. A little bit. But uh, one of the bigger ones, just like randomly one day, was like, oh, I had a baby, you know, like she had been pregnant but hadn't really shown her, you know, whatever, and she has a bunch of kids. And, like, literally two days later, she was, like, posting herself, you know, cooking in her kitchen and making dinner and posting recipes. And my friends and I have been saying, like, where is the line for, like, allowing ourselves to literally check out and recover from childbirth and not, you know, feel the need to be out there, but also like maybe she's bored and maybe she feels fine and, you know, blah, blah. And does she have an obligation to sit back and relax so that other women don't feel pressured? I mean, I know this is like a big topic, but like, I'm curious because you're in it right now, if you have thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely like i don't want to be in a situation where i feel like pressured to work and so like mm-hmm. it's hard for me to take care of my baby right now you know but at the same time like especially when like the first couple of months of the baby's like really sleeping most of the day and like not even smiling at you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it gets boring yeah. like, it, and you have like many hours or at least I have many of the hours a day where I'm just like at home. And I mean, I'm like on the domestic thing, like, mm-hmm. you know, all the laundry is done. All the mm-hmm. dishes are done. My husband's doing almost no chores cause I'm mm-hmm. home all day, but like, um, I want to use my brain, you know, right, like, and right. for me, that's the, that's why I started the Substack. So I occasionally write, um, And, uh, and when I had my first kid, then I really was like, had like no obligations because it wasn't like I had other kids coming home at like four 30 in the Mm -hmm. afternoon every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did a lot of freelance work in America, um, which, which is, you know, it's too late now for anything to happen. It's kind of probably a legal gray area because the government (laughs) is paying me not to work. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. I just like I'm doing all these things so that I don't fall behind when I come back, mm-hmm. and um, and I I like writing. That's the thing. I I really yeah. like what I do. It's I I get to work in areas that really interest me, mm-hmm. and even if I was working in something else, I would probably be reading the news every day anyway.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that's the so. secret, right? But to I be get it.
1: But, yeah, I get that. There's like like i don't want to be someone who's like putting pressure on other women like and also like like i'm a i'm I'm, like a mess i'm not an influencer you know i'm like in sweatpants (laughs) every day Um, so there's that but um but also like if someone's not exhausted and not overwhelmed Mm because it can be overwhelming sometimes then like you they should be able to do things that they're passionate about while they're on maternity leave like you you have time off to do it yeah No, I I agree.
2: I think it's funny. Like I wish looking back now, I mean, my, my youngest is 13. So I'm kind of past the, the, that stage. But like, I feel like I needed maternity leave like nine months after the baby was born. You know, like I had a lot of energy the first few weeks and like, I don't know, I was just going and maybe it was like getting my body back and feeling energetic, but it was like I hit the wall like nine months later or 10 months later when, you know, I'm still up at night and I'm still feeding the baby and I'm still, and I'm working full time again. Then I was like a disaster. So I don't know how we like, maybe we're doing it wrong. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I also just feel like it would be much more fun to be home with a baby who's, six months older or six months or yeah. older. Yeah. Like they just respond more. They do cuter things. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would true. be great uh, to just like six months in and spend the month at home. <laughs>
0: well, I think you're true. good. You're good to work until the baby turns cute. Yeah. Right. And then, exactly. And then yeah. after they're done being cute around like eight or nine years old. Yeah. Um, my mother always <laughs> yeah. says my
2: mother, who's I quote often cause she's wise woman, but she always says like, get a babysitter when your babies are little and work. She's like, they need you in middle school and high school. That's when you shouldn't work. That's when you should be home and opening the door for them from school and making sure there's dinner. And she's like, we do it the wrong way. She's like, a two-year-old can be with anyone. She's like, anyone could change a diaper or, you know, read them <laughs> or a like Dr. A Seuss book. Yeah. She's like, it's your middle schoolers that need you. It's your high schoolers so there's this
1: woman um Anne marie slaughter who she was like one of the mm-hmm. top oh, people yeah. in the state department under hillary clinton yeah and she she went home to be with her kids also when they were like middle school high school age yeah she wrote like a whole book about it and about like i don't know basically the false problem of women having it all
2: yes i remember yeah. that it was a very yeah. big hit when it came i remember her being like thinking differently about yeah. it it was interesting
0: Juliet Kayyem wrote wrote a book uh, similar to about um, she, she was in um, kind of a DoD and uh, you know counterterrorism mm. world um, yeah and also wrote about that but speaking of
1: of toddlers, uh, let's talk <laughs> about our government. <laughs> in israel yes
0: (laughs) yeah you know there were a couple
1: of not not this time like this was years ago already there was like a couple of campaign ads where like bb was like a kindergarten teacher and the children were dressed up as like different heads of other political parties oh my god
0: we've i think israel has really perfected the political ad in the last few years i remember a few years ago well a few years ago there was this was actually for the um this was for the government office that's in charge of the uh, elections, I think, and they were trying right. to get people to vote. And uh, it was this ad where it's like this couple sitting in a bar in Tel Aviv, like very Tel Aviv shishi, and they were complaining about the government. And this cop comes up to them and gives them a ticket, and they're like, "What?" And he's like, "Did you guys vote?" And he's like, "No." I said, "Well, you can't vo- you can't complain about the government <laughs> if you didn't vote." <laughs> And I was like, yeah, yeah. I like that actually. <laughs> but tell us so, tell us where we are now. So, first of all, this is Israel's
1: fifth government in six years. Do I have that right? Uh, it's less than that, since 2019. Oh my
0: Okay. Gosh. This, and this is ben- Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, new government that is being called by some people, like Thomas Friedman or others, <laughs> uh, the most right wing coalition Israel's ever had. Uh, yeah and i think
1: that's right um mm -hmm. people said that in 2015 and i thought they were wrong and i thought it was hyperbole but this time i think it's not hyperbole there is a lot Mm. of panic and i think people overkill about this government um but i do think it is the most right-wing government um it's entirely made up of right-wing and religious parties um you know, in Israel, when people talk about right and left, it's not necessarily the same as other places in the West. Like they overwhelmingly are talking about what they think um, the, I don't know about the solution, but what the situation should be with the Palestinians in terms of um, two states or Mm -hmm. not, and sort of Mm -hmm. how much um, concessions they'd be willing to make in terms of land. And so the further to the right you get, um, the fewer land concessions are willing to make. And on the left, they would want to Withdraw all the way to pre nineteen sixty seven lines, um, and this is a this is a government that is entirely made up of people who would oppose a two state solution, and um, basically all would be okay with some level of um, you could call it annexation or you could call it extending sovereignty. It sort of depends where you are in politics, um, but two parts are all of um, Judea and Samaria, which is the mm-hmm. historic name of the West Bank. And, yeah, and we have
0: two two types of right wing here, right? We have like nationalist, right wing, mil- more militant, and then we have uh, you know, the Haredi parties, the the religious uh orthodox parties. Yeah. Right. Am I missing and, anybody and in historically,
1: the historically the Orthodox parties didn't take like a strong position on the like I mean, I guess technically they're still not nationalists. They're sort of, their ideology is different, but they, they didn't take a strong position on the like um, diplomatic and national security issues. Um, mm-hmm. But in the last like couple decades or so, um, the population has become more right-wing in the sort of nationalist way. And so the politicians have gone along with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think- like it I- used to be, sorry, it used to be that the Orthodox parties, the, the Haredi parties could sort of tip the scales- for the left or for the right, and now they basically only sit with the right, and it's it's and and they've adopted sort of some of the more right wing positions. And it started Except, out because the right wing was more opposed to um, greater separation of religion and state in Israel, uh, and the Haredim fully opposed any right. like reforms in that front. Um, but it's turned into sort of a broader political. Uh, sort of overlap. I have a question about left? wait yeah I have a oh, question sorry. about we, we the, always
0: interrupt each other by the way and it's, it's basically a fight it's like in Israel it's like only the strong survive here yeah,
1: exactly uh, but the how left Jews talk
0: <laughs> <laughs> the left in Israel also now that I think of it has become a lot more secular right so there is that division yeah. like you used to have people on the left who could like religious people on the left or people on the left who were more you know, faith-based, let's say, and now, it, you know, it's almost like this polarization where the left and the right are trying to separate from each other so much that the 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 kind of secular thing has become its own religion in a way for the left.
1: Yeah, it's also like I say this as know, a
0: member of the left.
1: <laughs> Israel was established by secular people, but they were secular people who were almost all raised religious. And yeah. I think they had like like a very strong background, you know, in the the history of the Jewish people and of Judaism, and they didn't quite, you know, I wouldn't blame them, but maybe the next generation didn't quite understand how much how important it would be to maintain that, and so I think there's like a lot of ignorance among secular Israelis about mm-hmm. these things, um, and it did also contribute to I think just like divisions and people not understanding each other.
2: I I also want to ask you about the Haredi community and versus Mm -hmm. the nationalist parties, because I and maybe this is kind of pedantic and like not important to people, but it's important to me that like someone like Ben Gvir is not Haredi, right? I mean, do you consider like and I think there's this misconception even amongst American Jews that like these like kind of settler I don't know how you want to describe the like right-wing nationalist you know parties of like Ben Gvir and and the other guy and whatever like those are not the same as the Haredim who have who live in Mayesh and B'nai Brock and have their own kind of political interests right I mean there is a difference am I right yeah
1: yeah and there's just no good like American parallel right that's the thing
2: right yeah um
1: you know, like, you could say, like, among modern Orthodox, there's, like, the more liberal modern Orthodox and the more, like, yeshivish modern Orthodox, but right. it's not necessarily as political as it is initially. Well, because for um, religious Zionists, um, which in many ways is parallel to modern Orthodox Jews in America, mm-hmm. but, but the core difference is that... Um, it's just a key part of like religious Zionist belief in life in Israel that like the Jewish state um, is, it's called de it's the mm-hmm. beginning of the redemption that it's like a step towards the Messiah coming. And it doesn't mean that there are all like going around messianic mm-hmm. sort of thinking about it all day, but they attribute like, a level of religious importance to the state of Israel. Which is not opposite, like the which land is of Israel.
2: right. But that is absolutely which not is true in the Haredi community yeah. where they don't consider the land of Israel, yeah. any part of any kind of messianic age. And that's a big difference. If you understand the kind of the nuances of the community and it just, it's interesting because yeah. um, the Haredi community I guess I was having this conversation with a, a, an American Jew who was just like lumping everyone together and I was getting really frustrated and I'm like, you don't understand. It's yeah. not the same. Like the no. Haredim want to be left in a way, want to just be left alone and don't care about like settling the West Bank or Judean Samaria and or not, that's just not their story. Unless it's because they, there's cheaper apartments. That's a different, like that's their priority. You know what I understand that. Yeah. And like, Ben Gvir coming Guys. along and being like anti-LGBTQ has nothing to do with what like the Haredi uh, sort of political s- stance has, has been over the last mm-hmm. 20 years, you know? I don't but know. there is some oh,
1: overlap we would have been there. We pin on that for and one it. minute. My husband mm-hmm. is locked out of our house, so I need to let him in. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he's been there for 10 minutes and I haven't been oh, looking no. at my messages, so I'll be right back. Don't worry, don't <laughs> worry.
0: Go ahead, go I'll, ahead. I'll, okay. I'll answer Chayalea in the meantime. Yeah, what? Um, yeah, let
2: me hear what you have to say
0: about your people. But no, I mean, you can't like completely separate them. There there is some overlap in the kind of push for yeah. illiberalism that's coming from the right, uh, that's also coming from the the Haredi parties. Yeah. I mean And I think a lot right. like a lot of the a lot of the rift now in Israel, and we've said this before, actually it's kind of one of the reasons we started this podcast, I think, is because seculars and orthodox in Israel are so disconnected from one another. And I hear some of my secular friends talk about orthodox Jews in a way that you wouldn't hear anybody talk about, you know, anybody else. Sorry, we're just talking about um, how much uh, orthodox Jews and secular Jews hate each other in Israel.
1: Right, but I, I'm It's just, really sad to me <laughs> it is because like I, I, I'm orthodox I think but, it's like, good for our podcast so you know <laughs> yeah take that well there mind. you go like I'm orthodox <laughs> but I'm like very liberal in my orthodoxy let's put it that way like mm-hmm. and people who see me like who even people who know me at work like they don't necessarily know mm-hmm. you know and I, I people say things that make me sad sometimes mm-hmm. you know like I'm yeah. just like People are so ignorant. Um, It's just just really unfortunate. I don't want
2: to defend, like, illiberal policies that the parties want to push. But I just feel like I do have to defend my people in one sense, that the Mm -hmm. Haredi communities really want money for their yeshivas. They want, you know, welfare for their poor families because they have lots of kids. And, you know, they don't want their sons to go to the army, their sons and daughter, right? Like, yeah. I'm not defending those, those are positions. are very big deals. I'm yeah. not defending those positions, yeah. but I'm also not suggest. but I'm also saying that they are not there to solve the Palestinian crisis, right? Or like deal with, they're, yeah. not, they're not really that interested in that part of it. I mean, they are on a daily basis, but they really fundamentally care about like, the financial part of, like, politics. They're not right? nationalists. Exactly. They're not nationalists. And I think that's a big difference. And Ben Veer is bringing, like, a different flavor of religious Jews into the government. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's, it's well,
1: let's talk yeah. about they, something. It sort of dovetails with, like, mm-hmm. social, in, in the area of, like, social conservatism. Because right. now— You know, I mean, Orthodox people tend to be socially conservative just out of being Orthodox, but it's only, I think, a recent development that they've started to sound a lot like things you hear in America, too, where they are like worried about like the progressives in our school. What are they teaching our children, et cetera. Um, And and then the Haredim and the other sort of uh, nationalist Orthodox parties will overlap in that area. True.
0: Yeah, everything comes to Israel like three years late. So Israelis <laughs> are just like discovering wokeness, <laughs> and right, and it's like that. so.
1: I it doesn't really exist in Israel. I mean, like, uh, are there like some transgender children in some schools? Yes, but like, it's not. It, it just like the issue doesn't exist on the level in which it seems to exist in the U.S. And and then people will then just inflate it for politics. I'm sure in the U.S. it's overinflated for politics too. But yeah. um, that I find that also really frustrating. It's like they're reading, like somebody's, like I don't know, listening to Ben Shapiro or something, <laughs> and um, and I, I have respect for Ben Shapiro and everything, but like the problems that he's talking about in America are not the same problems in Israel, and then they'll mm-hmm. just like copy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again,
0: it, it, com- it comes to Israel. We import a little, a little late, but but the so. The the first thing that this new government did, or the the big you know controversial thing that they did, um, is has to do with the Israeli legal system. Um, yes. And you can probably explain it a lot better than I could. Although we do have a segment on the show where I try to explain um, uh, religious holidays to Chayalea, Um and give her my version of that. But and they're so bad. <laughs> I and think wrong. this is uh, a lot less entertaining. But but basically, if I understand correctly, and feel free to tell me that I'm full of it. Is that the the Knesset, the the you know Israeli Parliament wants to have uh, a more power uh, to override the uh, Israeli Supreme Court, which is is active and and you know tends to bend a little more liberal, definitely more liberal than the current government.
1: Yeah, so Israel doesn't have a constitution, which is not like unique. To Israel England doesn't have a constitution either, for example, um, mm-hmm. but the Supreme Court sort of about 30 years ago, took upon itself um, the ability to overturn laws. Um, Mm -hmm. they, They took a couple of new laws that had been passed that were related to individual rights in Israel. And they sort of said, if any new laws violate those, like contradict those two laws about individual rights, they could be overturned. And they also came up even before, like it's a more like 40 years ago already, they came up with what they called the reasonability test, which is there's some things that aren't passing laws. or some things that are just decisions, right, by different ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the court decides it's unreasonable, they can cancel that decision, even if it's not contradicting any law. So it used to be that they ha- those things happened very rarely, and in the past mm-hmm. 20 years or so, those things happened a lot more often. Um, and the overriding of the laws? No, the overriding didn't exist. The, the canceling yeah. laws that the Knesset passed. Mm. Yeah, The Supreme yeah. Court canceling yeah. laws. That the Knesset passed or canceling government policies oh, that weren't necessarily yeah. laws. Um, mm-hmm. And and that raised a concern mostly on the right, but not only on the right. There's been several justice ministers over the past 30 years or so who are not on the right who, who raised this problem as well um that they that they think it's problematic, that they think that the court has taken on authority that it doesn't necessarily have to have. Mm-hmm. Um so and and also um the the way Supreme Court justices are appointed in Israel is there's a committee that over the years like the makeup of the committee is such that the supreme court justices who are on the committee so not all the justices are but there's i think three on the committee um they sort of had the decisive votes and so Mm -hmm. if you had an activist court which you had as of like the late 90s um they would keep appointing activist judges so Mm -hmm. it's not just about left and right Right. it's also about sort of like a legal philosophy of whether you should be overturning these laws or not and so over like there's um 11 justices on the Supreme court and, and um, seven of them are what we would be considered activists currently. And the only reason that you have three who aren't is because um, there was a right-wing justice minister, I guess it's four years ago now (laughs) because we've had all these crazy elections um, who managed to make like deals to, to have more diversity on the court. So the right, wants to make changes. They want more sort of viewpoint diversity on the court. And then they also want to, if not cancel the ability, some want to cancel the ability to overturn laws, but others want the ability for the Knesset to say, okay, you overturned this law, but we think it's really important. So with a special majority, we will be able to pass that law again now there's there's a whole list of reforms that they want to make and there are different arguments um the truth is that most of the israeli political spectrum is in favor of some kind of reform um mm-hmm. but the the opposition right now is saying that the reform that the justice minister is proposing is the is like an end of israeli democracy and it's a dictate it's going to be like a there won't be checks and balances on government power because they think that the reform goes way 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 too far
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it's it is for except for the like hard left in israel it's it's um it's a matter of degree and they would say it's a matter of degree to an extreme mm-hmm. it's not really a question for the vast majority of the that whether there should be changes or not
0: so so to dumb it down i guess we'd be able to say that the the right is looking to bring more more power to the people or more power to the the p- elected people. And the left is um, looking to keep more checks and balances with the, with the institutions themselves. And it, it doesn't yeah, seem I like, mean, I, I mean, I know where I stand, but it doesn't side, seem like either
1: are, are, are unreasonable. Yeah. I don't think either are unreasonable. I think what's unreasonable is the way they talk about each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's what I want to ask you too, and and maybe you can cheer me up a little bit because, you know, looking at the news from Israel, it does seem very, very depressing. I mean, uh, there is um, definitely half of the country that that I consider myself part of that is more, you know, more more liberal or more progressive in Israeli terms, not in American terms, um, that is feeling that, you know, their representation uh, a lot of times relied upon the courts. Uh, But how do you... How do you separate the actual things that we need to be concerned about from the hyperbole? Because if I get one more text message from my friend saying like we're going to civil war and I'm leaving the country, <laughs> then I'm, I'm going to start voting Benville. You know, okay, the so-
1: civil war <laughs> stuff. <laughs> 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 this, this <laughs> stuff. Um, How bad is it, Lav? Look, I I think. First of all, I think with the Supreme Court thing, it, I I my theory, I hope it's right, is that they're doing something similar to what Israeli governments do when they want to pass a budget, which is they write a very long budget bill, just like you have in the U.S. It's like hundreds thousands of pages sometimes, and they the expression in Israel is that they throw throw in some goats. I don't know why it's goats. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> Yael yeah, knows from um, the
2: ketuba, maybe from the ketuba.
1: maybe but basically it's that they they do certain things where they'll ask they'll they'll ask for more money or that they'll do things that are like overkill because they Uh, know that in the knesset it'll become a debate and they'll have to tone it down so if you start at 11 yeah when you really only want eight then eight looks like Uh, you compromise and then you get what you wanted so okay so i hope and this is like a very common political practice Yeah, yeah um so my hope is that there's a little bit of the element of that with the Supreme Court because I do think there needs to be reform, but I kind of think that what this current government has done is that they've taken every single reform idea and thrown it in and taken it to the That's end. a lot of degree, goats, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's just too. It's too much, right? Like you, you still want there to be a balance. Um, so, like I hope that things cool down a little bit and that people in the opposition will participate in these meetings and make their voices heard, you know, in the legislative meetings and make their voices heard. And then certain things will be moderated. Unfortunately, the way people are talking right now, it's like hard to see, you know, like the opposition is acting like the government is not legitimate and, and shouldn't, you know, be talking about reform at all. And so they're they're not going to get anything done. I I fully support people's right to protest. There's been some big protests in Tel Aviv and like but I I think that the politicians should be more practical than they're being.
0: Yeah, I agree. This is like American politics,
2: the same idea. And everybody delegitimizes uh, the other side.
0: Yeah, there was 80 yeah. thousand 80, people or 800 people depends who you ask um,
1: <laughs> I think but, 80 thousand is the a, I mean like yeah. I don't know I don't know but I think 80,000 is like more or less what the police said it was at the end yeah, I, 80, I, I generally trust the police not trying to inflate the numbers who <laughs>
0: came, you know they they came out to Tel Aviv for this for this giant protest and look I I get it I get the need to to be amongst people to 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 feel that you're not alone to feel that there's momentum to fight for yeah. what you believe in. Um, I, I'd like to know, you know, what's next the, the left in Israel historically has been very, very good at woe is me and, and complaining and writing beautiful songs uh, and creating, you know, beautiful <laughs> art around the, these, which, which has a place, you know, I'm not saying it entirely uh, cynically, but I would like to see them get more realistic. I think, Maybe I'm being too critical. I think the left, if they got their shit together in the first place, we wouldn't even be in the situation right now if they had combined um, some of their parties. But uh, lefties, gonna lefty, you know? Listen, the <laughs> so, left in yeah. Israel died. I think
1: that they're, that, yeah, the left in Israel is not
0: doing well. It died but, with the second intifada, I'm sorry. Right, but what do you call it, the it left? Because I call every every person, well, may, and maybe I'm, I'm simplifying this, but I, I consider today the center... Since the the current right wing government is so right wing, I consider the center. I consider, you know, Benny Gantz, anybody who is more uh, liberal in the traditional sense, I- I'll consider that left for now. I'm not talking about like you know hmm. Shulamita Aloni. Right,
1: right. Uh, but the fact that it's it, it, the wind, like it's it's not the Overton window. It's not like the right term for it. But the the Just what we consider left has shifted a lot to the right.
0: (laughs) Yes. like (laughs) you know what I mean.
1: Like for Yair Lapid to be considered left wing, and I'm pretty sure he's very capitalist. You know, yeah, yeah. like um, and not a dove. He's not the most hawkish either. He's just he's 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 a centrist. He is. But I know some
0: uh, lefties in Israel who are way to the left of me in Israeli politics and even obnoxious that in an American campus would be considered, you know, right-wing fascists. So.
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, Right. And it used to be that there was like, you know, actual socialist left who, um, well, the labor party was like divided, but like a lot of them were like really like peaceniks and. Yeah. um, Yeah. So it's changed. um,
0: I passed by the socialist bookstore the other day in New York. <laughs> um, Which sounds like just like a place for me to pass by. Um, but they had a big, like, Cuban flag and a big Palestinian flag. And it, of course. it was just like, it was like, it was almost funny because it's like you're socialists and. Like you have you heard of the Kibbutzim? Have you heard of like the foundation of the state of Israel? <laughs>
1: well, there there uh, was a time when like Israel was like the darling of these people, oh, of course, you know? yeah, But yeah. it was only like the first twenty years or so of Israel's existence.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lahav, yeah, back when we were
1: how much? It do was only when we were weak. That's the unfortunately right. the world likes yeah. weak Jews. <laughs>
2: That's true. Lahav, how much do um do demographics play a role in like the current political? Like outlook. I mean, because obviously the country is getting more religious. I mean, there the families are bigger. The pe- making people making Ali are generally are religious. Like, how does that play out?
1: Well, what's interesting, actually, most of the people making Aliyah are not religious and, and a very large percentage really? of them are not even Jewish, according to Jewish law, because um, there's a lot more people making Aliyah from, like, Russia and Ukraine oh, oh, and, I and in that area that's of the true. world than America. I guess um, I was Americans, thinking North American Jews. Right. North my, American Jews yeah. make <laughs> Aliyah and also uh, European Jews tend to be religious. Um, but Aliyah is like, it's it's a blip, right? Like, it's we're right. a country with, like, 10 million people and that's like some tens of thousands every year so but the demographically the younger generation is more right-wing in israel which Mm -hmm. is the opposite of the Mm -hmm. rest of the west basically Mm -hmm. um and and i think it it has a lot to do with of course religious families having more children than secular families so there's that um arab families also tend to have more families than secular jewish families um and there's always, like, talk of statistics, like, in what year will we reach when, like, half the kids graduating high school or majority of the kids graduating high school will not be serving in the army, which mm. means it'll be majority Haredi and mm. Arab. Um, mm. And I, I think we're only a few years away from that, but I, I don't wow. remember the exact, like, demographic uh, forecast. Is
0: um, there a growing number of uh, Arabs serving in the, in the IDF? I feel like I hear more about it. I don't know the exact it.
1: numbers, but it's like a trickle. It's like very small numbers mm. in any case, um, and it's very rare. I mean, they they come from certain groups within Arab society, right? Like it's Christians, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, some Bedouins, and then Druze have always served mm. in the army. But there's are very; yeah. these are all very small population groups.
0: Have a, a side note. Have you have you noticed recently? I, I tweeted something about this. That the New York Times and, and other um, media institutions have taken to calling uh, Israeli Arabs uh, Palestinian Israelis. Yes, which and the I crazy thing is that they don't them call themselves that. Yeah, right. It's like the Latin X. I, 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 I said it was like the Latin X <laughs> of, because it's so confusing. I mean, there are, you know, there are Arabs in Israel. Who some of them will consider themselves Palestinian. I think about seventeen percent uh, say that that is their identity. The rest just would say they're Muslim or they're Arab or they're Israeli or. Um, but it yeah. it, it just it, they have a, there's a huge difference between you know uh, their situation and the situation of the Palestinian West Bank and Gaza. I mean, Arab Israelis they you know they 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 have full rights. They vote. Um, they are complete citizens of Israel. They have a you know Israeli passports. Uh, It's just well, they uh, live
1: in sovereign Israeli territory, right? Like Palestinians don't, except for the ones in Jerusalem.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I, I was just annoyed by it because I'm like, you're you're confusing people, and then next time they hear about clashes between Palestinians and Israelis, like you have to make a difference, a huge like legal difference between citizens of the country and residents of of a non uh, you know an entity that is yet to be. yet to be, you know, cemented in the world. We should talk about Bibi. What do you Let's talk about sure. Bibi. Yeah, I'd like to talk about him. <laughs> it's um, funny. Bibi is now the darling of like Bibi is the last chance that the left has. The left is like only Bibi can save us now because he's the most liberal person
1: in this government. Is that would you would you agree? Yeah, I mean, there's a few other people in Likud who are actually liberal. And by liberal, I mean, like, you know, individual rights, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Like, like classic liberal. Um, uh, but he's, of course, the one with the power. Right. Yeah. And but the, my my issue with that is like he will stop some of these things right like you know there's there's a few people in this coalition now who are like obsessed with gay people and and they said they were going to roll back all kinds of things for gay people and <laughs> Bibi was like no that's not happening right um
0: but well the speaker of the house is the is the gay. third most important person in yeah in the politics is gay and i i was listening to a radio show i listen to uh, Talva avivad every morning a radio mm-hmm. show from israel and one of the hosts is gay, and he's very, very left wing, and he hates this Ali uh, Kud Minister, who's also gay. But he said, you know, I I, I couldn't have I, I couldn't help but be moved when I saw him sworn in, and I saw his husband by his side, and and their kids and their
1: kids, yeah, yeah.
0: And even though I, you know, politically they they disagree, you know, it is that that, that, that
1: is moving. Well, it's nice that he was able to say that because people. Mm. People say really nasty things about yeah. him. I think yeah, really true. Yeah, he's a um, traitor, right? And and yeah. well, not right that he's a traitor, but right that that's of what course, people yeah. say. <laughs> um, but he he is also fairly liberal. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, BB, the the thing is, like, there's going to be more and more things, right? There's because we have extremists in right. the government right now they're going to keep demanding more and more and at some point is going to have to say yes to them otherwise his coalition will fall apart and there'll be an election etc yeah. and so the question is what where is like what is the thing that he's going to give them you
0: right. know and right. that's i don't right. have an answer
1: that's like the open question that i wonder about What so like will yeah they keep <laughs> exactly exactly so like uh <laughs> BB is going to stop some things. He's not going to stop everything. Um, it's interesting because in the past he was against any kind of serious uh, reform in the judiciary. Now he is for it. Mm. I think there's been um, over many years, over maybe twenty years at this point. There's it's been a, a growing sort of position in the Israeli right, and especially in the last decade or so, it like just became like the mainstream position in Likud. So, like, part of it is, like, he's not going to stand against what his whole party stands for. But also, I mean, we all know he is on trial for several <laughs> counts of corruption and right.
2: Um, right. says it's mm. a witch hunt,
1: etc. Do
2: you so, see anybody yeah. who can be the future of Israeli politics? Are there any young politicians who who are, like, a light maybe at the end of the tunnel or somebody who can take Bibi? I baby? think there are.
1: Oh, well, I don't know about taking him on, but No, I, but I mean after, take over.
2: Yeah, take over for BB. Yeah. Uh
1: there are there are definitely some competent people in Likud who would like to be the leaders of the party after BB. Um of course, Yair yeah, Lapid in the opposition, who's yeah. the head of the opposition now, would like to be prime minister again. He was just prime minister for um for about 6 months. Okay. Um you know, so right. and and there were some people who used to be in Likud and then left Likud and now are with Benny Gantz, but I think that they kind of messed up their political careers doing that. I don't know. I don't know right. how much staying power they have. Right. Even though one of them, Gidon Sar, people thought he was gonna be the next leader of Likud. Yeah. Right. I hate to right. sound fan uh, anymore.
0: I hate to sound naive, but I think just observing Israeli politics and American politics, I think Israel has uh, I wouldn't say, maybe not in abundance, but more than average um, l- value-based leaders, leaders that really care about the country and want to make a difference, even mm-hmm. if we don't agree with the way they're doing things. Just because Israel being yeah. so small, everything's at stake. Everything affects you directly. It, it's different from, I think, somebody who ne- who might want to go into Congress in a state they didn't go, even grow up in because they want to be in politics. Usually people or or some people at least go into politics in Israel because they are really concerned about the future of this country and whether or not it will still exist right
1: yeah and that's something so I'm the diplomatic reporter for J-Post now but I was the Knesset reporter uh, for eight years And, and that's something that I would often tell people that you know there's a lot to be cynical about and there's plenty to criticize, but yeah. overall, most people in the cast I think are in it for the right reasons. That's good. Um, mm-hmm.
2: That's. I wonder like about, um, I feel like Israeli politics for so long was animated by the conflict and it was all about that. And I wonder if this new kind of uproar about, you know, left and right politics and sort of internal, internal fighting. Is it a sign that we've kind of moved on from the Palestinian question and it, people are sort of like, there's no answer. We're just like the status quo is going to stay. There's never going to be a solution. Here's like, let's just move on to talk about other things. Or is it the opposite where it's like, people are so depressed about that situation that they just don't even know what to say anymore. Like, do you have I think a it's sense? kind
1: of, it's more like the second thing where people just feel like, there's nothing that's going to work with the Palestinians. Like there's not been any progress and, right. and right. people on different sides, right? Like there's some people who think the progress should be to a two state solution. There are some people who think the progress should be one state or that right. the progress should be annexation or whatever. But like, it, it's just been so static for so long that people are just like,
2: they've given up,
1: not so interested <laughs> in it anymore. Um, but, but there's still like a core of people who are interested. And I, I think at the end of the day, a big part of Bibi's appeal, for example, is that people see him as someone who's very strong on right. national security issues. Because um, when we talk about Palestinians and we think two-state solution, yes or no, what about the settlements, this and that, like we forget, or not forget, but like there's like a false separation maybe made, but the fact is that like there's Hamas and Gaza attacking yeah. us quite often. Um you know, and right. there's Syria, and there's, Syria,
2: an and there's Lebanon, issue. and there's Iran, yes. and there's all mm-hmm. kinds of threats. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And, um I don't, Lav, I don't know if this is exactly your your territory, but definitely, probably know more about this than either of us. But, um, um you know, Abu Mazen uh, in the the Palestinian Authority in Ramallah, who's considered kind of a, a more moderate, um, even though he wrote his thesis on Holocaust denial, but he's considered like our our more <laughs> liberal something. partner there.
1: He's also in uh, the 19th year of his four-year term as yeah,
0: president. I yeah, mean. yeah, big, big, uh, you know, a big world uh, leader um, should get a Nobel Prize. But yeah. um, but still, he's he's our guy, right? And we, we kind of know him. We know what to expect. But he's not going to be around forever. He's getting older. Um, what do you think is going to happen the day after uh, Mahmoud Abbas slash Abu Mazen? Which I'm sure a lot of people think are two different people, but
1: actually the same guy (laughs) it's the same same guy yes but there's two names there's a big catch 22 when it comes to Abbas and the Palestinian Authority which is like you can't live with them can't live without them like Mm -hmm. he is deeply corrupt he pays terrorists (laughs) he pays them after the fact so he could say that he's not encouraging terrorism but he pays them um And, you know, does all kinds of things that are harmful to the peace process. I mean, the the Palestinian curriculum also full of incitement and just like denial of that Jews should be anywhere near them. Um, Not to mention all all the trans stuff. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I just feel like you can't talk about curriculum
0: without saying the word trans.
1: (laughs) Right. They, you know, they glorify terrorists. There was, I I was once reading like a study that was done. um, It was, it was paid for by the EU. um, And they found that the only female role model was this woman, Dalal Mugabe, who um, shot up a school bus full of small Israeli Mm. children. Um, That's the only female role model. And and paid Um, for
0: by our taxes here in the US. So...
1: Uh, Yeah, US and EU. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so, you know, and that's a problem. But on the other hand, if there was no Palestinian authority, there would either be total chaos and anarchy, and an even greater security problem for Israel than we have now, because the Palestinian police does cooperate with Israel in trying to thwart terrorist attacks. Um, Or Israel would have to do everything ourselves. And Israelis don't really have an appetite to be governing the Palestinians on that scale. You know, in that way. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's like, that's the situation of the Palestinian Authority writ large, but it also is a lot because of Abbas's. I, I hate to use the word moderate because of all the negative right. things I just said about <laughs> him, but his relatively moderate it's a relative right, so in the sort Middle East. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, um, if there was
2: an election today in the West Bank, I mean, it's pretty clear that Hamas he would, would lose. Right. Yeah. Hamas would probably win or, you know, yeah, some yeah. other. Right. Uh, or people
1: talk about like Marwan Barghouti being the likely person who would win a presidential election. Barghouti is mm-hmm. serving multiple life yeah. sentences in Israeli prison for masterminding some of the biggest terrorist attacks of the Second Intifada. Right. Um. You know, and, and the Palestinians see him as like their Nelson Mandela, you know, like they're going to vote for <laughs> him. He's going to become president and then he'll have to leave prison. Um, Talking about book.
2: Nelson Mandela, do you know that they're I mean, I'm sure you know this, but. There's a huge Nelson Mandela statue in Ramallah. Yes, in Ramallah, it's I've seen shocking. it up close. Me too. Can I tell mm. you?
1: Uh, this is this is one of my craziest stories as a reporter. Is um, I I and a bunch of other reporters were invited to visit Ramallah by the Palestinian Authority. They had like they have like a committee. The PLO has like a committee for outreach to Israelis um we went there um i saw that we saw the nelson mandela statue they they gave us a whole talk on that they believe in peace and a two-state solution we saw their palestinian history museum which is it wasn't complete yet but Mm. it was interesting alternative history History. i guess (laughs) um we went to a restaurant and we met with palestinian authority officials at at a restaurant um And, you know, and then we went home and it was an interesting day. We heard from people who we don't necessarily meet these people face to face, even though some of us are in phone contact with them. Um, And then that night, the restaurant was was bombed for (gasps) serving us.
0: No way. Oh, my gosh. In the the restaurant Ramallah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And when you say you went home and you came to Ramallah, we're talking for people who don't know Israel we're talking to Jerusalem and Ramallah like how long is that drive? 20 If there's
1: no traffic it's like 15 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, 15 20 minutes. I've drive, been to Ramallah so. twice.
1: And Oh yeah, what did you do there? I took <laughs> students.
2: <laughs> I took students to okay. meet with the Palestinian authority. Um, it was the, the, first, the army. The first day, the first time I went was the strangest day of my whole life. I mean, getting off the bus and like being confronted with Palestinian soldiers standing with like you know, huge yeah. guns and walking into the, the headquarters of the, of Fatah and like pictures of Yasser Arafat's face, like from ceiling to floor. And like, mm. I just, it was really hard for me. I mean, I, I sat there, I didn't say a word cause I made up beforehand that I wasn't going to say anything, you know, um, they spoke and it was just like one lie after another basically. And I had to just like, bite my tongue and not say anything and then we went to a refugee camp and then we went and had lunch and we saw our fats. did you see where he's buried I mean it's insane it's insane it's a white marble like I wanted to I'm sorry, but I wanted to throw up the whole time. I was like, honestly, I wanted to throw up. And then, oh, yeah.
1: actually, I did. It's right where the museum is. Yeah, like, it's, it's right, yeah,
2: it's right there. About. And yeah. then we drove around. I just didn't like approach it. Yeah. And we went I to had, like no, the Palestinian business. And it was a good lesson yeah. for me on how to like just be quiet and listen. And then, because <laughs> uh, I'm yeah. not usually quiet, but it was fine. Later that evening, we had um, Khalid. Abu Tawameh, um come and speak. Ah, he's great. Yeah, Khalid kind of put everything is into perspective. he with the Jerusalem
1: Post as well? His, he's with yeah, the Jerusalem yeah. Post, and he's, like, incredibly brave. I mean, he's one yeah. of the few people really reporting on what, what is really going on inside the Palestinian yeah. party He's a and Palestinian the corruption. Uh, peace activist. And yeah, Oops. and how they... Well, he's Israeli, but it's it's how they, you know, he really is able to report on how the Palestinian Authority mistreats Palestinians.
2: Yeah, and oh, he was a Israeli? member. He's Foreign. from
1: Jerusalem. He's or? from East
2: Jerusalem. He was oh, a he was yeah. a member of the of Fatah. I mean, like he really understands how they work and what they say, and so it was it was yeah. interesting. But yeah, it's uh, mm. quite a quite an experience. Um, especially because like we walked into a, it was, we stopped to use the bathroom at a gas station and I'm like so clearly Haredi. I mean, and here in America, I feel like people, if you don't know, you don't know, like I'm wearing a wig, you know, it's like hard to tell, but in Israel, everyone knows who looks religious and who doesn't. And when I walked into that, to that uh, gas station to buy a drink, I mean, it felt like I was in a movie, like everyone kind of stopped and looked at me. And it was like quiet. In Ramallah, yeah, in Ramallah, it was like quiet, and everybody was looking at me, and I was just like right away, just started speaking in English, I'm like "Hi, do you? Have, <laughs> I'm looking for Diet Pepsi. Like, I really need a Diet Pepsi." And then everybody kind of calmed down. But I mean, I'm sure they don't see a lot of like Haredi women like in their gas station in Ramallah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it was interesting. But-
0: uh, unfortunately, I my my memories from Ramallah. Uh, have to do with a lynch, because um, oh, nice. it was uh, I yeah. think in two thousand um when yeah. to that was um, a horrible Israeli yeah. um, Israeli um reservists that was uh, t- took a wrong turn yeah. and uh, got into Ramallah and then just basically got slaughtered and thrown out of the window to yeah. the cheering crowds. Um and I, been I mean, there Ramallah was just I, an
1: Israeli murdered in Ramallah like a few weeks ago, too. there was someone who got into and was, uh, a, a Druze, so you know yeah. um, a Druze' guy got into a car accident. That was nearby, horrible. Nearby, the nearest hospital yeah, in right. Yeah.
0: right. And yeah. then and it was kidnapped ter- from the hospital, right?
1: Well, first so came it, he was, you know, like hooked up to machines, like he wasn't breathing on his own. And they disconnected him from the machines, right in front of his father and brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But of course they had the guns and the father and brother didn't, and they just took the well, body. It was crazy.
0: I actually think yeah. the aftermath of that is is really interesting, and I'll try to say it without without um any judgment, but the Druze, you know, for people who don't know, they're a minority in Israel. They're um, not quite Muslim. But they speak Arabic and then kind of more similar to to Islam. Um, but they're very, for the most part, you know, serving the IDF, very loyal to the state of Israel. And when this happened, when this Druze kid was was kidnapped by, um, I, I don't know who it was in Ramallah, um, Islamic Jihad or whoever. I think it was in
2: I think it was. In Janine, anyway. I'm
0: sorry. Wow. Um, oh, I, I think understand. it was the, the Druze um in israel started uh, excuse my language fucking shit up mm-hmm. and threatening to go in there with guns and violence and uh, i hate to say it but it seems like it worked cuz they got the body back
2: yeah Druze are really interesting. Do you know that they don't know? They
0: don't don't mess around. They don't know a lot about their own
2: religion. Do you know that? Only, like, certain people in their community know all the different reasons why they do things or what they believe. But, like, an average Druze basically knows, like, very basic things about their religion. And none of the women, And none of the women. And, like, there's a, a finite number of Druze souls that exist in the world at one time. So, like you can't, they will never like grow. Like there's like 1.5 million Druze souls and that's it. And like you, they're born and die. Like you can't convert. You can't like be added in. It's really interesting.
0: Also, I asked a Druze friend here, um, I asked a Druze friend where like, I was like, I really, I'm really craving Kanafe. Like where can I get Kanafe in New York? Uh, knafeh is like a delicious Drew's dessert and he's like honestly Trader Joe's frozen section and I'm like you've got to be kidding me he's like really? no it's I so good and I went there and it was so good he was right That's so interesting. I wonder I if it's so so Trader Joe's I know. <laughs> yeah. that's my question
2: I don't know Knafeh is one of those things that you get in the shook and like everybody pretends they it like it it has like
0: falafel it has a shelf life of about like 20 it. minutes yeah
1: right, like, that's the problem. It,
0: like right, right then and there I know. Um, yeah. we'll, before,
1: well, before, before we I let you go. I had Knafa in Ramallah. Oh. And it was the best Knafa. Really? So just for that, but, I think whoa. we should have peace. Um, I know. No, but yeah. I remember,
0: I, I'm sorry, I was trying to say about my bad memories from Ramallah, but also I do remember seeing it and, and seeing like a pretty modern place. And, uh, you know, Inshallah, hope uh, we can go. Oh, like yeah. My parents used to go back in the day to go shopping there. When you cheap, leave like, the refugees,
2: No, no, seriously, when you leave the refugee camps, there's right there's a subway, one refugee camp that we went to visit both times. When you leave it, you just drive like a block away. And then all of a sudden, there are these big houses, right? So my students are not stupid. One of them raised their hand. and They were like, whose houses are these? And our guide who was with us, the Palestinian guide, Was like trying to brush it off. And he was like, oh, those are American built. So my students kept pushing. They were like, who lives there? And he was like, well, that's where like the lawyers and the doctors and the bankers live. And I just saw my students and they were like, wait, what? There are lawyers and doctors that live here in Ramallah? And he was like, yeah. And they were like, Oh, we thought everybody lived in the refugee camp and were like suffering. And so it was a really like you until you see it with your own eyes, it's hard to tell the story, you know. I, I was mm, grateful to yeah. go because I had never been there. Um, and it's uh yeah. Anyway, we need a solution to this uh problem. Um, from both yeah. from both sides.
0: <laughs> For both sides, but uh, Lav. Before before we let you go, do, do we have you for for a few more minutes? Um, yeah, it's fine. I want, We're at I an wanted hour. to ask you about um, BB. So it's this is, you know, uh, might be his last term if he's going to age out or, you know, be convicted. <laughs> um, but what do you think his? You know, that he wants this to be kind of his legacy term. What do you think his big? What What does he have up his sleeve? What is he looking to achieve?
1: I think what mm-hmm. he really wants to do is to make peace with Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. like to mm-hmm. establish diplomatic relations. Um, and that would be huge. I mean, you know, the Abraham Accords were the start of this trend where the conflict is no longer Israel versus the Arab world. Mm-hmm. Um but to really reach that, I mean, to 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 have normalized relations with the Saudis, that would be absolutely huge. Now, the Saudis themselves say there needs to be progress with the Palestinians before that could happen. Um, but Netanyahu seems to think that he can make it happen anyway. So, yeah,
0: that's something uh, that five years ago I you would tell me that. And I think it's science fiction. And now it's yeah. like, yeah, I, this could definitely happen. Yeah. I know I it's neither here nor. But- oh, Yeah. No. <laughs> I was gonna Sorry, talk about BB
2: I was gonna talk about how good looking BB is but we should talk about Iran you're right
0: I feel like we should yeah <laughs> those are two but he's not as good looking as El lapid or Benny guys
1: Mm. Benny Guns is goofy looking. Yeah, yeah, but your lapid
2: like, is, know, is yeah. good looking. Your, your is yeah. is very good looking. Yeah, but, yeah. screw it, Ron. B- Let's B- talk about this. But
1: BB is, I think, very handsome. So, I actually have to like talk to these people sometimes, I know. so I'll just sit here and <laughs> let you guys discuss it. Yeah, they they all
0: listen to our podcast. By the way, we get, <laughs> That's we tra- get Emails <laughs> from Benny Gantz all the time. No, but Benny Gantz is the only one of these I've met. I've met all three of them because Israel is such a small country. I've met all three of them before. For, but Benny Guns is somebody that i've actually had like a little bit of professional overlap with and he's just so lovely like there's something i'm sorry to sound like a this is probably what people sound like when talk like right? no, yeah. talk talking about my grandmother right
2: oh yeah people talk about he's he, too he's nice too right
1: he yeah. doesn't have the like killer instinct
0: yeah which is why i like him i guess but <laughs> yeah. But, um
2: love, anybody who you like wish you could interview is do you have like a wish list of people or do you pretty much have access to everyone you want to
1: talk to? Um I have very good access, not necessarily when I want to have it, mm-hmm. but usually if I nudge people enough over a couple of years or whatever, yeah. <laughs> I get the access. But I would love to talk to like the head of the Mossad.
2: For mm.
1: Like that, that would be cool. That would be well, cool. he loves um, the media, and it not seems. something that happens. He's, no, he's the prettier. old one does. Oh, oh the. The, you mean, you're talking, the, the one now, Dezi Barnier, so They they have a spokesperson for mm-hmm. the Mossad, which is something they never had before. It's just like, in the very, very rare occasion, they needed to make a statement, like they would just do it through the Prime Minister's office, mm. and now they have their own person instead. But it's not like him. He's not up there giving interviews and stuff. Do you, know? you
0: follow the fake Mossad account on Twitter? It's so funny.
1: Yeah, it's very funny. It's so I know good. the guy who runs it. He's funny. It's <laughs> so
0: good. I know. I wish it was real. You're really good you know, at Twitter, are,
2: Love, you're really Thank good you. at Twitter. Do you like it? I mean, do you enjoy it? Or is it like something you feel like you have to do? I, no, I,
1: it's mixed. So, you know, I used to enjoy it a lot. Now I enjoy it less. But like, there's still like a rush when I think of something really clever yeah. to tweet. I'm you know? <laughs> um, totally. afraid a lot of, to get like, in there. Yeah, I've done a lot of, like, pruning and curating so that, like, I see a lot less nastiness than I used to. That's smart. Um, so that helps. That is smart. Well, it's smart. hard
0: to be a Zionist on, on Twitter. I mean, I've, you know, I've tried. I still try from time <laughs> yeah. to time. And, um, you know, it can get pretty it can get pretty ugly. Uh, and I think the new, and this really upsets me personally because I'm, like I said, you know, I, I am somebody who is troubled by the government in Israel. I, I didn't vote for them. I would like to see them replaced but i still love my country and for a lot of people who hate israel i'm not talking about people who criticize israel i'm talking about people who just hate the state of israel yeah this is a great excuse to talk about how awful the country is yeah and well, it seems it's very i don't know it's very upsetting to me when i see you know people talk about the political problems in israel out of context Mm mm-hmm. mhm well, yes. I, they
2: shouldn't point fingers because democracies all over the world are struggling. And this is just growing pains of whatever we're going through right now. Lots of different changes to the world. We just had a pandemic. I mean, and everybody assumes, I think this is a, just a core problem that people assume that democracy equals li- equals liberalism. And it doesn't. Democracy mm-hmm. could also be illiberal. And we're seeing in a lot of Western countries that that is a truth. And I think we all thought we were past that, right? Liberals thought, okay, we survived the, you know, the times of the olden days where, you know, people were conservative and now everybody's enlightened and we're just seeing that that's not true. And like democracy works in different ways.
0: People who are rabidly anti-Israel, they'll hold on to anything. Like they always bring up this, this one crazy ass kid of like, he's a son of a general. I don't even remember his name. If I see him one day, I'll punch him. But he's like the son of a general that nobody's ever heard of that is like very, very anti-Israel oh, activist. And he's in
1: England, right? The I don't know.
0: But every time yeah. they t- Pilman talks about Israel, they'll bring up this quote of his from like 1994 and say, see, even people who are their families in the military in Israel hate Israel. So I feel like now they have a lot more mm-hmm. uh, to play with because there are a lot of people, you know, and I, I, I hate to it's- say it, there are people in this current government that I am, I am ashamed that they are in the government. But it doesn't make the state of Israel any less legitimate. Well, I, I'm ashamed eyes. of
2: people in the American government, yeah. too. So that's like, yeah, <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah, tra- we'll trade you I'll Marjorie tra- Taylor Green for, oh, for <laughs> Ben No, whoever. we have Rashida
2: Talib in our government, too. I mean, you can yeah, look on yeah. both sides of the aisle. There's plenty of people to be embarrassed of. At
0: least our politicians know, like, you know, the basic geography of the country. Oh,
2: really? We have a but, we <laughs> have a new congressman who has lied. In Israel, I mean, no, but we have a new congressman in America oh, who has oh lied God. about every single aspect of his life. Oh, yeah. And he's going to yeah. be appointed to committees in Congress, okay? So and he has
1: so, lied yeah. over and over so again. So, the I fact post that, that meme people of, are of, pretending uh, to be Jewish to gain I mean, <laughs> political points is really <laughs> interesting. Gay. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Wait, he's not actually gay? That was fake too? He was married, apparently,
2: like to a woman, like for a to long a time, yeah.
1: He's yeah. just has lied
2: about everything, and he's in the United States Congress. So I don't want to hear anyone pointing fingers anywhere. Like, let's fix our I kind of want to post that
0: Willy Wonka meme. You know that Willy Wonka meme where he's like, tell me more about how, you know, yeah. our, our government <laughs> is corrupt.
2: I know. But, uh, okay, we need – but listen, Israel is our, our – uh, our place in the world, a Jewish place. And I, we all worry about it and, and care that, you know, it should be not just a safe place, but a shining light. I think that's part of our, our existential crisis as a Jewish people that we want Israel to be uh, admired, you know, not just yeah, yeah. to exist. And I, it. Exactly. And it's a project that it. it's a project that has ups and downs and it's still a new project, right? I mean, we're only, Israel's yeah. only turning 75 this year. I mean, if you think about that, it's, quite incredible right and it's like and
0: Israel is it, it's the only country when when you fly its flag publicly it, it, people are going to assume that you support the current government and everything it does uh, and that's yeah. it's not the right. case so for our, our our Jewish American listeners or our, our Zionist non-Jewish listeners you know you can you can support you can be a Zionist you can support the state of Israel and also you know, be very unhappy (laughs) with the the government situation, which I am. I I don't think they're mutually exclusive. You know, we say if, if, if you had to be, have to support the government of Israel and not criticize it in order to be a Zionist, there would be no Zionists in Mm -hmm. Israel. That's That's for sure. All we do is criticize. Yeah. There's all this rhetoric
1: that you hear from like, like Jewish American organizations or people that like, Oh, we're not going to support Israel anymore. And I'm just like, Mm. well, what did you do 2 3 years ago exactly. you know like uh, there when there were other right wing governments like yes this government is more extreme in many ways but like mm-hmm. if you supported i don't know a hospital or if you mm-hmm. uh, you know or if you liked to go to israel and visit your friends like those things are still there and like the meaning of israel to the jewish people is is still there um, Exactly. just like america's still there when you have presidents you don't like it's just um mm-hmm. well, you know for a lot it's, of
0: people that wasn't the case too, and I think that's also idiotic.
1: Yeah. Like that's true.
2: I feel like with one more conversation between the three of us, we could solve all the the whole issues. So, definitely. Yeah. The Palestinian definitely. conflict, we'll solve the, religious I don't know if the secular Palestinian conflict, conflict.
0: Iran, definitely. Iran. Iran. We'll solve the whole thing. That's easy yeah. now, right? That's that's Iran is Perfect. easy
1: yeah yeah okay yeah next time <laughs> next time, next time, next year time we back, we'll solve all the problems <laughs> all right but love thank you so brainstorm. much uh where can people find you um well i write for the jerusalem post although i'm off now for a few months um <laughs> and you can find me on twitter at Love harkov and at lav.substack.com awesome and we'll put links to all of that in our show notes Awesome. all right love next time
0: we talk to you if it's in a week from now or a month from now who knows what's <laughs> going to happen but yeah hope hope for some stability thank you thank
2: you thank right. you for coming thank on.
0: you, thank you.